0: It is Monday, November 2nd. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Subjects for today. The UFC PI says it can't mandate weight cutting rules, but I call BS on that, and I'll tell you why. Israel Adesanya said he is taking the light heavyweight title fight against John Blachowicz as a kind of middle finger to John Jones, and that's what I kind of thought when the rumors started flying about this fight, and I'll tell you why I thought that way. The MMA media let me down again by not asking Dana White about Habib Nurmagomedov's Instagram post about Emmanuel Macron, and uh, I'll tell you why I am once again disappointed in the MMA media. And lastly, It seems as if the UFC is not even going to do an investigation about the domestic violence allegations that Mike Perry is facing from his ex-wife, Danielle Nickerson. And I will go on record as saying I believe the UFC should, at the very least, do that investigation. And if it means taking him out of UFC 255 and paying him, then do that. But the investigation should be done. First topic today, everyone's favorite one of everyone's favorites is going to be weight cutting and this is from the Com- combat sports law website and here's eric who runs that site was at a conference and also at that conference was clint wattenberg of the ufc pi and what he had to say i found kind of bothersome so here is here is what he said during a weight cut and nutrition recommendations um, talk One of the things, this is the part that bothered me. We don't really have the opportunity or ability to say no to these athletes who are performing considerable risk weight cuts. And to that, I say bullshit because we know the UFC can mandate whatever it wants. Not being able to and not wanting to are two distinct things. The UFC can make these fighters wear quote unquote fight kits. The UFC can make these fighters give their whereabouts all the time. The UFC can make these fighters do whatever it wants. It doesn't want to mandate a weight, weight cutting rules. That's clear, because if it did, it, it would do so. And if the UFC can't do it, maybe the athletic commissions can, but it would be easier for the UFC to do this. It would make sense for the UFC to do this. It would increase safety. It would make the fights, you know, more fair because weight cutting does come into play with the, if the rehydration becomes ridiculous and California is addressing this, but I think there's some shortcomings in that I, I, they're making an effort and they, it's a good start, but when it's easy just to avoid fully rehydrating before the fight, well, then that gets a little dicey. I'd rather have a fully hydrated fighter because it's, it's, uh, it's more healthy. It's better for the body, it's better for the brain. So if they limit how much they take in before the fight so they can stay under the California State Athletic Commission rules, that becomes a little dicey. So some things the UFC could do, should do, won't do, is they could do a little bit of what the NCAA does. They, can, they could look into that. Because if the NCAA can, can manage all the wrestlers, then why can't the UFC manage its stat, its number of athletes? They have the PI. The PI could be the the, cent, the center where all this could happen. Is it going to be an expense? Sure, it'll be a startup expense. But it'll be good PR. It'll be safer for the fighters. And I think that's what we want. We already know this is an, a business where people are going to get hurt. Why not limit that hurt if you can and the UFC can, but it won't. So some things they could do at the PI, it could do hydration tests. It could do a um, better job with weight cutting techniques. It could ban certain weight cutting techniques. And I think one I like is the, the body fat limits. So the, I think it's 7% for men and 12% for women is is what they judge here on and we know that you're probably seeing a lot of fighters get into the cage or at least weigh in far less than that far less because if you're going to the if you're getting carted off to the hospital because of dehydration you're not you're not being you're not at a healthy weight if your body's shutting down because it doesn't have enough water to function that's a concern and we know that's happening in the ufc weight cutting is dangerous it's one of if not the most dangerous parts of the sport so why not make an effort to limit it this this we can't do it remember what dana white says he can do anything you can figure anything out well it's been how many years they haven't figured this out because they haven't tried to if the ufc wants to say it's the safest sport in the world And safety always comes first which is another thing Dana White said do something about weight cutting mandate rules absorb the cost up front it'll lessen the pain on the back end if someone ever does hopefully not but if someone ever does die in the UFC from weight cutting and we know it's happened in other other promotions and I don't think it's a case of if in the UFC I think it's a case of when And I think it's a case of just being lucky up to this point, because if you don't have any rules, you can't tell me it's because you're being more safe than other promotions. You're just being more lucky than other promotions. So this is something the UFC does need to address, and it needs to address it sooner rather than later, and stop with the uh, excuse of, we can't do it. You can, you just don't want to change that. When the talk of the Israel Adesanya and Jan Blakowitz fight came up, one of the things I thought was happening was that Adesanya was taking this fight to spite Jones because John Jones has decided to move up to heavyweight. And Adesanya had talked about fighting Jones at light heavyweight and Jones doesn't have the title. So... That fight doesn't make sense for Adesanya. Why? Why should he go up to fight at light heavyweight if a title's not on the line? And so, he accepted this fight with with Blachowicz. And while I don't love the fight, I would have rather see him fight Whitaker. I understand why moving up makes more sense to him. He just beat Whitaker recently, and he, you know, the odds would favor him a great deal. It wouldn't be a big, big fight, and this is going to be a big fight because it's a middleweight champ moving up to light heavyweight to, to take the title. Big deal. So uh, my suspicion is, was right. And talking to Submission Radio, Adesanya said, it's just a big fuck you to him talking about Jones. Just to be like, I did something you couldn't. I mean, he cleared the division of the light heavyweight twice over and then started fighting recycled middleweights. So don't come at me talking about move up and wait and fight when you can't even do the same thing after 10 years in the company. So I'm actually about to do it. It's a good fight for me to do it with. So yeah, this is uh, spite is one of the reasons that he's doing it. And is that a surprise for Matasanya? No. Will it get Jones to come back down to light heavyweight? If Adesanya wins the belt, I don't know. Because if Jones is really moving up to heavyweight and going to stay there, getting back down for him is going to be maybe a little, take a little longer than than someone like Daniel Cormier getting down. Because Jones is going to put that on, on in muscle mass and he's going to do it the, the correct way and we know that when George St. Pierre was always talking about moving weight, he talked about how long it took would take him to do it properly. I'm going to bet that Jones is also going to do it properly. And so coming back down might not be that easy. And if Adesanya wins the title, that might be the inspiration for Jones to come down. But then again, does Adesanya go back to middleweight and defend the title there and just say you had your chance and you missed it. I don't know. I think Adesanya is uh, an excellent fighter. I think if he wins the title, it'll just raise his stock. But I don't know if it'll inspire Jones to to come back down. And I, and I, I don't know if Adesanya will want to fight him just out of spite. So it'll be interesting, and it'll be, I'm sure, a, a war of the wor, wor, a war of words between the two. And uh, it'll be entertaining, and we'll see what happens. So that fight, according to Dana White, is pretty much set. We don't have any other information about it other than it's going to happen, and we'll see what John Jones has to say about it. But I don't think Adesanya should get sucked into that kind of thing before he... Faces Blackowitz, he can't, he can't get distracted by Jones when he has a real opponent coming, and I don't think he will. I, I think his team and his coach will make sure he stays focused, at least in, in the gym. Social media, that's a different story, I guess. So we'll see how this goes. If you listened to yesterday's podcast, you know that I was extremely unhappy with how the MMA media handled Greg Hardy over the weekend at his um, post fight press conference at UFC Vegas 12. I thought they handled him with kid gloves. I thought the questions were more PR kind of questions. And I thought it almost seemed as if the media was doing the UFC's job in selling Greg Hardy as a redeemed fighter who is just getting followed around by a controversy rather than someone who was found guilty of violent crimes by a judge and later had those crimes expunged from his record when the woman f- stopped cooperating with the authorities so I, I was very unhappy and very critical of the media for that and i'm also going to be critical today and it was disappointing that no one asked dana white about habib nirmigomedov's uh, instagram post To Emmanuel Macron uh, the French president what he said was may God disfigure the face of this scum and that of all his followers under the slogan of free speech offended the feelings of over 1.5 billion Muslims may the Almighty humiliate them in this life and in the next Allah is quick in calculation and you will see it and then Macron there was a picture of a boot print on his face and I'm not going to get into the religious aspect of this because I, I I don't know enough to do so, and I'm uncomfortable doing that because of this, because I don't know enough. I mean, I've studied some, but not enough to speak to to any authority on the subject. What I find troubling is that the threat of violence, and I think this is, my opinion is that it's on Nir- Meadows side, it's based on kind of some, some intolerance. Macron's side is based on free speech. And it gets a little dicey, I think, in my, in, in my opinion. It gets a little dicey in here in that there's some crossover. But I think where it crosses the line, have just been critical of what was said. I would have been fine with that. But he took it to a, a level of what can be seen as violence and threats. And that's where I think it goes from critical of Macron to something more I get the whole idea I understand the anger but the level of anger once it gets to threats I think that's where it crosses the line and I think anyone should be free to satire anything and that does fall under freedom of expression a a satire should not incite violence on either side of of that equation it can incite anger and emotions but it's more art than anything and so you side on uh, at least i side on the freedom of expression with with the art of the satire but at least make it you know good satire but to threaten violence based off of that i think that's where i have my issue and i saw that There was a a soccer player in France who liked Nurmagomedov's Instagram post and uh, a team or a politician is trying to get that player removed from the team because they liked the the post. I don't know if that's the answer. I don't think that is the answer. And so there, maybe you speak to him and and get a feel for that. But I don't think just knee-jerk reaction to give him the, give him the boot is the right thing to do either. Now, if he was posting violent threats of violence or uh, things of that nature, then that's a different story, but just liking a Instagram post, I don't know. I think that gets a little, a little weird. It's a, it's a, there's a line between liking something that someone else posted and, and posting that yourself. So anyway, it's disappointing that the MMA media did not ask White about this because, as he made clear, Nurmagomedov is still the UFC champion. He might come back. I, I don't think he will. But until the UFC finds out otherwise, he is the champion. He's still on the roster. And, and if he hasn't removed himself from the USADA pool, he is still a quote-unquote active fighter. And so this reflects on White, just like things other fighters have said that reflect on White. And White has said that he doesn't stifle anyone's speech, which is fine, but I think it's a cop-out. But at least the, the media should ask about this because, like I said, it it's gotten some notice outside of the UFC. And with that, Dana White, should be asked about it so we'll see if that happens and even if he just blows it off with uh, the uh, the old listen I've covered this ground before it's that's not a reason not to ask him about it it's not a reason so hopefully that'll get asked I doubt it but you never know Mike Perry lost his original opponent for his upcoming fight when Robbie Lawler removed himself due to injury But Perry is back on the schedule and he is fighting Tim Means at UFC 255. And what bothers me about this is that the UFC is not even going to go through the motions of investigating Perry for the domestic violence his ex-wife Danielle Nickerson said that went on during their marriage. Normally, the UFC will do a third-party investigation in cases like this, and usually the the fighter walks away without any kind of repercussions. And the only thing White has said about this up to this time was that he heard she got a, re, tried to get a restraining order and the police didn't grant that. And with that, that was a dismissal from White as well as a attempt to shame Nickerson or blame Nickerson or paint her as a liar and a restraining order is not always easy to get depends on the judge depends on what you present but it's not always a slam dunk and like I said in the past there's no way to enforce that really and legally the police don't have to protect you in that in that case. It's a Supreme Court ruling. You can check that in the New York Times. They reported on it when, it when the ruling was made. The very least the UFC could do is do the investigation. MMA Junkie, who first reported the story and interviewed Nickerson, got documentation that led them to feel confident enough to do the story. And from what they said the information they had would make should make everyone believe that what Nickerson said is at least worth investigating he said there were police reports photographs there was a 911 call from Perry's own mother who, who said she was you know afraid of him and so why not do the investigation if you can clear Perry's name with confidence then do that if you're worried what you might find, which what is what this seems like, then maybe you don't do the, the uh, investigation. Now, for those who say, let the police do the investigation, we know that police investigations of domestic situations are terrible for the most part. They don't have a good history. And they don't have a good history of investigating crimes against women. And Nickerson said she did not want to ruin Perry's career which is probably the reason that this isn't going further on her end. And so why not do the investigation? Why doesn't the UFC do the investigation? It, it doesn't because it doesn't want to, and it doesn't have to, but it makes the UFC look shitty. If you think the guy's innocent, you do the investigation and let him let him be not guilty. And you know, you didn't find anything. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you do the investigation and you find something and then you get rid of someone who shouldn't be in the UFC. But we know the UFC doesn't take domestic violence seriously because we saw Greg Hardy fight on Saturday. So it is the responsibility of the employer to do an investigation even if that employee is a, a contractor. I look at it this way. Would you want Mike Perry working for you with that allegation hanging over his head? And if you could investigate it, if he was one of your workers, even a contractor, would you not do so? You would. I wouldn't want someone that had that hanging over their head on my working for me. Now, if, you know, they were investigated and found not guilty well then they then you know you 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 report your findings which is what the UFC should do but it's not gonna it does it sounds like it's not gonna do anything because Dana White pretty much dismissed it out of hand as an issue that he would be concerned with but he should be concerned cuz Mike Perry has not shown any kind of anger management skills he has been a problem for the UFC before shown no way to there's no way to believe that he won't be a problem for them again and so the investigation should be done. Will it be done? I, I doubt it but I will I will stress this point that it should be and I think more work should be done with Mike Perry to work on his anger management issues I know they said he went to or he said he went to counseling but how much because the UFC said it wasn't gonna book him again until he went through the counseling but has he worked out his issues so quickly I doubt it I mean that's that's a just judging from what we've seen from Perry outside the cage there's some real things he needs to work through and to get that anger under control And this Nickerson information, we did not have that then. We have it now. And I think we should believe her. And I think the UFC should investigate it. And if that means taking Perry out of the fight while this investigation is going on, so what? Pay him and investigate. I doubt it will happen, but it 100% should happen. That is all I have for this evening. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.